for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Turn with me this evening to the book of Revelation. I hope y'all are ready for this. We approach this new series of sermons, uh, some of you approach it with some uh, trepidation or perhaps uh, some wonder, curiosity. I wanted to uh, start a new series out of the book of Revelation. Uh, it's something that I've been uh, reading some chapters in recently, and uh, as I was reading those chapters, I thought to myself, you know, I've done a series a few years back, a series on the end times and the events of the last days, uh, but we've never done a systematic verse-by-verse exposition of the book of Revelation. And um, so there are a couple different kinds of sermons, just so a little inside baseball here to get started. There are some different types of sermons that you're going to hear uh, uh, over this pulpit. You, you might hear a topical sermon. Uh, that would be where, um, uh, where there is a message from the Word of God that I want to share, and it's a topic, and we find scriptures to support that topic. Most of the time, we do a scriptural uh, sermon where we will uh, look into a certain portion of scripture and extract from it as much truth as we possibly can in order to address the needs of our lives. Uh, but what, I, what we don't do so often is what's called expositional preaching. And that's what I want to do um, uh, for this series of sermons in the book of Revelation. When we say it is expositional, it, it literally means to go verse by verse uh, through a certain book or a portion of Scripture and expose what the Word of God has to say. It is founded uh, directly in the Word of God. And uh, we're just going to take it one verse at a time to see what the Lord would use it to speak to us about. And here's the cool thing about expositional preaching is that I believe as we go through these scriptures and these chapters and these verses that we're going to find uh, ancient text that has to do with things that you're going through and dealing with here in 2019. God is always faithful to find those things in our lives that need to be dealt with. Can you say amen? So the name of this series is called Regarding Revelation. The word regard, it means to pay attention to, to look or to gaze upon. And that is something that, especially when we talk about this final book of the New Testament, that we uh, may from time to time, fall short in doing as Christians. We love to read the gospel accounts where Jesus 
life is explained and where we see what he did and what he said. We, uh, we study the uh, letters of Paul to the various churches in the New Testament. Uh, we love the stories of the Old Testament. Sometimes, how I many know, when you get to the book of Revelation, you start reading about horses and seals and bowls and blood and whores and prostitutes and whoa, oh my goodness, what is going on? And so what happens is many times uh, we, we skim through it and we don't do the necessary legwork in order to truly understand what the, what the Lord has to say to us. My hope and my goal in this series is to pay attention to what God has to say to us in this book of Revelation. And so we'll see how far we get. I believe that if God will help us, we can get through uh, the entire book of Revelation. And God will really, really help us uh, to understand this complex book. Let's begin here in Revelation chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. The Word of God says this, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants, things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to the servant John, who bore witness to the Word of God. And to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy. And keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. Let's pray. Father, we come by the blood of Jesus. Once again, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this incredible book of Revelation. We thank you for what it represents. We thank you for the hope that is found in it. I'm praying, God, for your grace and your mercy and help to not only understand, but, God, to receive the promises that are found in this Scripture. God, as we embark on this journey through the book of Revelation, I pray that your people would have a yearning and a, and a, and a, a desperate heart, God, that we can hunger and thirst for more and more of your word. We thank you for all that you're going to do in Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say, amen. So this uh, first message is titled, The Importance of Revelation. Now, if we're going to understand this book, uh, we've got to lay a little bit of foundation, uh, a little bit of groundwork. And I have to tell you something about uh, the word apocalypse, the original title for this book was indeed that word, Apocalypse. Uh, but when the English translations came out some uh, four or five hundred years ago, uh, there was not an equivalent word in the English for the word Apocalypse. Uh, so that's why it got the English word name title of Revelation. But if you were to read this in the Greek... This is the very first word you would read, apocalypsis. Now, we often, um, uh, if, if you hear that word, you, hear, you think about some crazy events like earthquakes, tornadoes, floods. You think of apocalyptic events. But the original sense of the word is closer to what our English word revelation is. It is something that the original um, hearers of this book would be more familiar with. It describes 
a style of Jewish writing. So I just want you to imagine this for a moment. Have anybody here ever been to a Broadway presentation or a theater or maybe a concert? And uh, often what will happen if you're in that setting is you'll go and uh, you'll sit down in your seat and there will be some noise of the people finding their places. And as you find your seat, everyone's filing in. The time comes for the concert to begin or the theater show. And what happens is, how many know, the lights begin to dim, right? The lights begin. And then what happens is that the lights dim. Everybody kind of already automatically knows and understands, okay, I should start being quiet now. And then as people begin to quiet down, maybe you'll hear the sound of the orchestra starting to stir. And you'll hear the sound of them tuning their instruments. And it's building this anticipation. And at some moment, uh, the lights will shine down onto the stage. And you will see the beginnings of what's about to happen. And I can remember uh, the first time going to see the Lion King musical on stage. My mom took me there, my, me and my wife, way back when. And, and the very first note, right, is the same as in the movie. And everybody's like, whoa. And there's this sense of wonder and amazement. And everyone is filled with anticipation of what's about to take place on this stage. Apocalyptic writing was intended to stir this type of emotion in the hearts of everyone who read it. In the Jewish tradition, the, the, um, the prophets of the Old Testament, you go through them, you think about the Isaiah, you think about Jeremiah, Ezekiel, all of these were intended to be this type of apocalyptic writing. One author describes it like this. Just like the theater audience God's people for generations felt that they were in the dark. They were studying their ancient scriptures, and they said their prayers. They felt that the music was beginning to swell up towards some amazing event that was going to take place, but they couldn't actually see what was happening yet. All of the Jewish uh, fulfillment, the prophecies that began to be pieced together uh, throughout the prophets of the Old Testament were building upon one another. Isaiah comes along and he tells of a suffering servant that's going to take place. David in Psalms 22 speaks about one who is going to be pierced in his hands and his feet. And all of them begin to speak about the coming day of the Lord. And there is this sense of a of an anticipation that even in Jewish communities today, you will find that they are still looking forward to Messiah coming. They missed him. But what the apocalyptic genre of writing it was supposed to be about is someone who has a direct line from heaven and is revealing to the audience what's coming next. That is how the book of Revelation is presented to us as an apocalyptic text, something that is swelling toward an, an upcoming event. To give you some background of what was happening in this time, the book of Revelation was the last book of the Bible to be written. 
It was written the latest in time. Uh, the Apostle John, who wrote the book, was an old, old man when he wrote this book. He was, well, he was well advanced in age. He was the only disciple that was able to live uh, for, a, for a long amount of time. Uh, it was written during the reign of Emperor Domitian of Rome. He reigned during the years 81 to 96. So remember, Jesus died uh, somewhere in the range of 30 to 35, right? And so now this is about 50 years, 50 to 60 years after Jesus had come and gone back to heaven. Most of the disciples, the original 12, have all been martyred except for John. John is now a prisoner. So uh, during this time, this emperor of Rome was, uh, he was a radical. During his reign, he began to force all of the Roman Empire to worship him as if he were a god. And so they would have, uh, they would erect these statues of Caesar, and somehow this was a patriotic uh, duty of every Roman citizen to bow down and worship the current emperor. Uh, there was a little problem with that, though. There was this growing band of believers called Christians who said that there's no God except the one that we know, the one who was resurrected for us. Christianity would not bow to Emperor Domitian. And so these stubborn Christians wouldn't burn the incense. They wouldn't bow their knee to the statue. And Rome saw this as rebellious. Rome saw this as a reason that they were committing treason against the nation. And so for this reason, Rome began to take on the task of stomping out Christianity altogether. To declare yourself a Christian in those days would be to put a target on your forehead. Would be to declare yourself an enemy of Rome. If they would have baptisms, they would have to do them in secret for fear that it would get the word out. This man, this emperor, whose name was Domitian, began to punish the leaders. And they were very successful at tracking down many of them, including the Apostle John. Something you may not know about the Apostle John is that Domitian tried to murder the Apostle John by boiling him in oil. God had other plans for the Apostle John, so he survived. So he went into a pot of boiling oil and came out still alive. Say, explain that to me. I can't. Must have been God. Because God wanted the Apostle John, he had a few more jobs left for him before he left the earth. He was the last remaining apostle and God understood that if I'm going to get this book of Revelation into the hands of my people, it's going to have to be through him. We can learn, can't we, from this. We can learn that God still has a purpose and a plan for you. If you're still sucking wind tonight, then God still has a plan for you. And you might go into a pot of boiling oil. I hope you won't. Or you might go through some persecution and some pain, but when God still has a plan for you, you are going to make it through. That's the confidence we have in the Lord. And so we have this idea of revelation. 
What is revelation tonight? Revelation, it means revealing things that are true already, but we just don't know about them. And so when we come to this idea of revelation, here's an amazing, fantastic truth that I want you to remember throughout all of these messages. We serve a God who wants to show you things. He doesn't have to do that. He could keep you in the dark about so many things. He doesn't have to give you wisdom and understanding about your life or about the future. He doesn't have to do that. But God is a God who wants you to understand a few things. And for us tonight to say, well, you know, God, I, I appreciate that, but this is just too complex and too hard for me to understand. Can I tell you that's not good enough? The book of Revelation is here in the Bible for a reason. There are some things here tonight that God wants you to know. He wants to reveal to you. It's the inside scoop. And how many know sometimes there is some information that once you receive it, it changes you? Once you if, if I hold on to this truth, my life is not going to be the same. Those kinds of truths, let me tell you, are in this book of Revelation. There are some things here that once you see them, once you understand them, has the power to transform the way that you think. Has the power to transform the way that you see your life, both here today and in the future. Has the power to give you confidence. Because I read the last page, you know what it says? It says, we win! That's what we find in the book of Revelation. This book indeed gives us the inside scoop on the coming kingdom of God. And you would be wise not just to listen to a few sermons, but to study it on your own. I'm not asking anybody here just to take my word and trust the pastor. I hope that this tonight will be a springboard to, that someone here would say, you know, I need to figure this out for myself. I want to understand this, God. See, revelation, and we're going to talk about this in a minute, revelation tonight is not something that I can give to you. I can have God reveal things to me personally, and I can tell those things to you, but true revelation is something that you don't get from flesh and blood. True revelation, like when Jesus said to Peter, Peter, he said, Jesus, you are the Son of God, and Jesus said to him, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, Peter, but my Father who is in heaven. And I want to hope, my hope tonight throughout this series is that you would receive revelation, not from me, not from some Bible commentator, but that you would be able to hear from God through this book. So let's begin. Verse 1, again, the revelation, the apocalypsis of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John. First thing we see here is who this revelation is all about. God gave him the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him. Who is God giving this revelation to? It's kind of a weird sentence when you read it, isn't it? The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him. In my Bible, the word him has a capital H on it, 
Which means, if we read this carefully, that the revelation of Jesus was given by God to Jesus. The first recipient of this revelation was none other than Jesus. So God, here, here, let's get the, the pattern of information here. God says, Jesus, I want to tell you about who you are. And now Jesus, the Bible says that God gave him this revelation. And what does God, what does Jesus do with this revelation? He says, he gave it to him to show his servants. Who's that? That's us. That's anyone who has named the name of Christ and, and received redemption and forgiveness by his blood. We are his servants. And so if we're going to understand this book, you know what's going to help a lot? If you know Jesus. Because he's the one who wants to give it to us. We think that if only I get the right book to understand Revelation. And yes, there are books that will help you understand certain things. But I want to tell you the thing that will help you the most is throughout your study of the book of Revelation to be seeking your relationship with Jesus. This is a story about him that is being given by him. This is kind of like an autobiography. You know, there's a difference between a biography and an autobiography, right? Biography is what a lot of other people think about some person. You know, there were a lot of biographies written about Benjamin Franklin. They're still writing them today. But I tell you, there's only one autobiography. If you really want to know about the man, you ought to read the autobiography. Now, in the Bible, we have, we have four gospel accounts. We have a Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're eyewitnesses. We can trust their word and what they said about Jesus. But the cool thing about Revelation is that it's a much more direct connection to Jesus. Because it says that this message, this revelation, was given first to Jesus, and Jesus wants to show it to his servants. The first servant that Jesus showed it to was the Apostle John. Jesus is the source. I want you to first understand, you know, you start reading Revelation and you get into some of this stuff and you think, man, this guy, he must have been eating some weird mushrooms in the woods. Or maybe he had some bad pizza. But I want you to be confident tonight that this revelation came from none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And now, what does that tell us about the book of Revelation? If this revelation came from God to Jesus, then to his servants, then we can be sure of this. The book of Revelation will never contradict anything anywhere else in the Bible. And what I mean by that is that there's nothing in Revelation that's going to go against anything in the rest of the Bible. And that ought to be true of any revelation, right? If your revelation, if you say, Pastor, I got a revelation. I need to wear two left shoes. Okay. Now, 
any revelation that is truly from God is not going to contradict anything. So let me, let me break it down like this. I've heard people say, the Lord spoke to me to get a divorce. The Lord didn't tell you that because that's not in his word, right? The Lord told me to sleep with that woman who's not my wife. No, that wasn't the Lord. It might have been a spirit, but it wasn't the Holy Spirit. You know what I'm talking about. True revelation will never contradict the written and clear word of God. And that's why it's no surprise if you begin to study the book of Revelation, you will find that most of what is in here is directly quoted from other places in the Bible. Check this out. There are 404 verses in the book of Revelation. Out of those 404, 278 contain references or allusions directly to the Old Testament. Did you catch that? More than half of the verses that are in the book of Revelation are connected directly to ideas and themes that are already found in the Old Testament. The book of Revelation contains citations or quotations from 28 out of the 39 Old Testament books. There are 505 such citations and allusions. 325 of them come from, uh, from the prophetic books, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel in particular. Some of those come from minor prophets. There's quotes out of Zechariah, out of Joel, out of Amos, and out of Hosea. There's also quotes from the book of Exodus and from Psalms. I say all of that to say this. The book of Revelation is well in line with the rest of God's holy word. Remember, we said that this is a book, a revelation of who? Jesus given to who? And the book of John, again, the, the prologue of John's gospel tells us that Jesus is the word made flesh. Jesus is the epitome. He is the incarnation of God's written word. If this is a book about Jesus, then there's no mistake tonight that we can depend on the words of this book. If you're having a hard time understanding Revelation, it's probably because you haven't done a lot of study in Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. Because if you will open your Bible and read those prophets who have come before, you will find very similar themes, very similar uh, images, very similar language, and direct quotations from all of these books of the Bible. Again, this is a book that reveals Jesus. And Jesus passes this revelation to his servants. Now, here's a point that I want you to grasp, and then we're going to move to something different. It is very important for us to receive the things that Jesus has for us. There was a moment at the Last Supper when Jesus said to his disciples, there are many more things that I want to teach to you. 
but you're not able to receive them. You know, I, I get to that saturation level. Sometimes if I'm trying to teach someone how to use a computer or how to check their email, you know, and I can tell there's a certain point, you know, maybe after 30 minutes of instruction, oh, you got to push this button, you got to do this, you got to do this. And, and then I, I'm looking at them, and sometimes I watch their eyes go like this. You know, they reach that level of saturation like a sponge that's already full of water. It doesn't matter how much more you pour on it. There's nothing more going in there. Jesus realizes at this moment that he has told them, I'm going to the cross. And they've already reached the level of saturation. He says, there's so many things, guys, that I want to teach to you, that I want to tell you. So much more revelation that I want to show you. But right now, you're not able to receive it. Sometimes when you get into the book of Revelation, have you ever felt the same way? You're like, oh, whoa, seals and blood and storms and four horsemen and the pale horse and the sickly horse. Oh, Lord, too much. But here's what I want to tell you tonight. It is not up to you to second guess what God has for you to receive. It is not God's job to hold back his revelation until the time you're ready. It is our job to get ready to receive something from God. Paul rebuked the church in Corinth. He rebuked them because he said, I have some meat that I want to teach you about but all you can handle is the milk. He said, he said that you ought to be, by now, you ought to be teachers. But I have to come back and teach you the basics again. I have to, uh, we have to go back to kindergarten and cover this stuff. And so because we're doing kindergarten things, I can't teach you the heavier things that are really going to help you. So many of us have a kindergarten understanding of the Bible so that when we get to Revelation, we're like, oh, whoa, 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 okay, can't handle it. And so I want to encourage you to prepare your heart to receive something from Jesus. Sometimes we need the meat, not just the milk. Sometimes you need to have a T-bone steak dinner and not just a milkshake. It is important for us tonight to receive the things that Jesus has for us. In this book, Jesus has a feast. There is a feast of things that can change your life. Are you ready to receive it? Do you have the appetite? Or do you say, Pastor, I'm just going to fall asleep for these Sunday nights because I can't take it. Let's look at verse 2. So Jesus, he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, verse 2, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. So we just add to this understanding that this entire book, everything that's going to come after this very, these very first verses, this book exists to show us who Jesus is. 
Now, it's going to be easy for you. It's going to be easy for me to get lost and to get distracted and to think that we're talking about dragons and to think we're talking about ten-headed beasts. But I want you just you, I just want you to remember throughout this whole thing, this is a revelation of Jesus. It is a book from Jesus about Jesus. It's about his kingdom. It's about his power. It's about his destiny, and it's about your place in it and how he gets there. Now here in verse 3, you're going to get blessed. Are you ready for this? Verse 3 of our scripture tonight. It says blessed. Everybody say the word blessed. How many want to be blessed tonight? Let me see your hand. Oh, you're going to get blessed tonight. Are you ready for this? Blessed is he who reads. Oh, man. I don't like reading. Well, it's funny. It's, it's, it's easy to read when you're swiping through your Facebook feed or your Instagram feed. You'll read then. But blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy. So two things there. What is blessing? Let's just talk about that for a second. What is the biblical understanding of blessing? The simple translation of the word is this, happiness. You'll be happy. Don't you want to be happy? Don't you want, and I'm not just talking about the fleeting emotional kind of happiness that you feel when you eat a taco at Taco Bell. Okay, that kind of happiness is there for a moment and it's gone. But I'm talking about the joy of living, of knowing who you are, of knowing your place in the will. of I want to experience the happiness, the joy, the peace that God has. That's what blessing is. Blessing is literally, it means to be in God's presence. What would you feel if Jesus came into our service tonight? That's blessing. That's happiness. That's joy. It's what the disciples felt the first time. Remember that scripture in the book of John where it says that they were all gathered together for fear of the Jews. They were all afraid. Jesus had been crucified. They didn't know what to do next. And then it says Jesus showed up in the midst of them. Like Star Trek, beam me, beam me up, Scotty. And he pops into the room, and the, the Bible says that when the disciples saw him, they were very glad. I think that's an understatement. I think they were more than very glad. I think they were exuberant. I think they were, uh, they were happy. They were joyful. They were excited. But most of all, they were blessed to be in the presence of Jesus again. This is what biblical understanding of blessing is. It means the happiness, the joy of being in God's presence. How do we get this blessing tonight? Our scripture says three things. Number one, it says, blessed is he who reads, and blessed are those who hear the words. So first of all, you've got to understand that reading is not the same as hearing. You'll know, you'll know that this is true because how many times have you read something and you got to the end of the page and you can't remember what you read? It is possible to read it without hearing it. 
it is possible for us to skim the page and check the box on our Bible app, finish that chapter, without actually hearing. So blessed is he who reads, but not only he who reads, we've got to hear. Hear in the, in the Bible tradition. The way that they would read the Bible back then is not the same way that we read the Bible today. Today, we're, we're amazingly blessed. Every one of you has your own copy of the Bible in your hand. You've got the app on your phone that you can pull up at any moment. But I want to tell you, uh, 2,000 years ago, they didn't have it. So how did they read the Bible back then? I'll tell you how. They would all go to the synagogue. There would be a priest who would open up the scroll. And you know what he would do? He'd read it out loud. Thus says the Lord. And in the hearing of everyone there, the word of God was never meant to be silently read off of a page. It was meant to be heard in your ears. It's interesting, uh, science has proven to us that there is a portion of your brain active when you're listening to things that is not active when you are watching things. I want you to hear this today. Have you ever seen those scientific studies that show what the human brain does when it's watching something on television or on screen? Basically, the part of your brain that makes judgments between right and wrong is completely shut off. The part of your brain, the, the logical thinking part of your brain, when you're watching something on a screen or on YouTube or on Netflix, you know what happens? That part of your brain that says, that's good, that's bad, that's good, that's bad, that part of your brain is not working. That's why so many of God's people can watch something like Game of Thrones that's full of pornography and not, be, not, not have any judgment on it. Oh, I, that's a nice show. Okay, you get what I'm saying? But at the same time, there, those same studies have revealed that if we are simply listening to content, if you listen to an audiobook or a podcast, that that part of your brain that says this is good, this is bad, this is good, this is bad, that part of your brain is actually amplified. It's working harder than normal. That's why the Word of God was not meant to be seen on a screen. It was meant to be heard in your ears. That's why the power of preaching. That's why God said that the power of the gospel comes through the preaching of the word of God. How shall they hear without a preacher, Paul argued. That the word of God was always meant to go in your ear, not into your eyes. When you read the Bible, would really help you to either read it out loud or to listen to it. Somebody read it to you. The Bible app has the ability for you to turn on the play button so that you can listen to the voice as you're reading along. It's very, very helpful because your brain is able to receive it much more easily. Now, I've only mentioned two so far. Ready? Back to verse 3. Blessed is he who reads... And those who hear the words of this prophecy, are you ready for the third one? And keep those things which are written in it. As we go through this book, we're going to find some commandments. We're going to find some instructions. The word of God, if all you've done is you've read it and you've heard it, but you don't do it, it has no power. 
Jesus. He spoke after his Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever preached, the one that has changed the world multiple times since he gave it. Things that said in there, love your enemies and do good to those that hurt you. Right? That's what he preached on that day. And at the end of that sermon, he gave a little illustration. Aren't you glad Jesus gave illustrations, parables, so we can understand? He said, he said there's like, it's like these two men who are trying to build a house. And he said, one man heard the words that I said and didn't do the things that I said. And his life, it was like he had built his house on the sand. And when that wind began to blow and when the waves began to crash, that house fell down. But there was another man who heard what I said and then did the things that I said, and his house was like a house built on the rock. And though the wind would blow and though the waves would crash against it, that house would stand. And so I just want you to notice tonight in that parable, both of those men, both of those home builders heard the word, didn't they? What was the difference? One of them kept his words and the other one did not. So there's the challenge for us tonight. Are you one who hears the word and keeps it? Or are you the one who hears the word and says, eh, sounds like a good idea, and goes the other way and do your own thing? And then you're surprised when nothing in your life that you try to build actually comes out well. The blessing comes to those who read it, who hear it, and who keep it. And this is not just true of the book of Revelation, but indeed throughout the whole Bible. The name of this book, Revelation, is something that we must seek if we want to be happy and blessed. That scripture I mentioned earlier, Matthew 16, verse 15, Jesus said to them, Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Whoa, Peter. Where'd you get that from? Verse 17, Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed. Did you catch that? Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. The gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Whoa. Jesus, what do I got to do to get that? Whatever he had, I'll take too. The way that Peter unlocked this dimension of ministry in his life was because he got a revelation from God. For all of his faults and his failures, here's one thing Peter did that you need to do. He got something from God. Can I ask you tonight, when's the last time God revealed something to you? When's the last time you heard his voice? 
I'm not talking about when you learn something from a good teacher or you heard a good point in a good sermon. Those things are wonderful, and they help us. But when's the last time blessed are you because you didn't get that from flesh and blood? It was the Father in heaven. If you want to be blessed, if you want to enter in to new dimensions of ministry and understanding and revelation from God, you're going to have to hear from him. You're going to have to be able to hear from the Lord. My prayer tonight is that as we go through this book of Revelation, that's exactly what you'll get. That you will be stirred in your own heart to do your own study, and you'll get something from God. I want to ask for buy-in tonight. We're probably going to take our time to go through this, this book, and we're going to dig as deep as we can. And my prayer is tonight that we will find a revelation of who Jesus is. And that can transform our lives. Let's bow our heads tonight and close our eyes. I am excited at the prospect of studying this book of the Bible. But I'm not excited just because I enjoy digging in the Word of God. I'm excited tonight because I want to know Jesus more and more. And I, as I understand that as I study, especially this book of Revelation, this is a book that reveals Jesus that was given to God, that was given by God to Jesus. And he passes it on to his servants. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vbph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vbph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.